The guy that always gave me the most problems actually was Tracy McGrady. He had all the skills and all the athleticism, and he was really, really tough to figure out. I think I told him one time, I said, bro, you could do everything I could do on the court, but you were 6'10". <laughs> Literally everything. I mean, he had no weaknesses, offensively or defensively, and uh, he was a nightmare to guard. And me and Vanessa went out to lunch, and I remember sitting in the restaurant watching that and telling V, I said, man, that dude's the real deal. He's made it. I mean, we started out like as youngest yeah. together, but I remember feeling like such a sense of joy because of what he was doing. That was the immortal Kobe Bryant on Tracy McGrady because real ones know. And that collection of Kobe Bryant quotes lasted exactly 35 seconds, which is exactly how much time Tracy needed to score 13 points for the Houston Rockets and beat the San Antonio Spurs. And I know it's hard to remember because the Spurs are inherently boring and their titles are more or less forgettable. But the San Antonio Spurs won the title in 2003 and won again in 2005. But right in the middle, December of 2004, they were in Houston to face off against T-Mac, Yao, and Bobby Sura. Bobby Sura didn't matter, but I do like mentioning him. With 58 seconds left in the game, the Spurs were up 10 and coasting to a victory. A Yao dunk and a Scott Padgett stealing dunk cut the lead, but every basketball fan knew what was going to come next. The Rockets would foul on every possession, extend the game, hope the Spurs miss their free throws, and then try to come back by hitting threes. But that plan never works, ever. It ruins the game and people hate it. Except this once. Here's McGrady for three. 35 seconds to go. They look to foul. Of course the Spurs make both free throws because that's what they do, boring-ass team. But T-Mac wouldn't give up. And the Spurs now lead by seven. Rockets looking for a quick shot. Bowen is all over. McGrady foul is picked up. Yes. A potential four-point play. Tracy McGrady from downtown. Tim Duncan fouls McGrady. He still makes the shot and the free throw. The four-point play cuts the lead to just three. But of course, the goddamn Spurs make two more free throws, and now there's only 13 seconds left. McGrady over Bowen for three. Oh, yes! Yes! Tracy McGrady cuts it to a two-point lead. A two-point lead, but with only 11 seconds remaining. And the Spurs have the ball. You know Popovich is going to draw up some effective yet possibly plain sidelines out of bounds play. And the Spurs are going to set good screens. And they'll get fouled and hit both free throws and make it a two-possession game. Brent Barry gets it in. Devin Brown lost it. Here comes McGrady. No timeouts remaining. McGrady for the win. Yes! 1.7 to go. San Antonio with no timeout. Here's Parker and the Rockets steal a game from the Spurs. Tracy McGrady with an incredible performance down the stretch, including a four-point play. Tracy McGrady with 33 points. This is First Ballot.
Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Neil, the podcast, Jordan Clarkson, the long-lost Gasol brother, your dork Nowitzki. Today's episode could be sponsored by the Nerf Elite 2.0 Commander RD6 Blaster. Want to pepper somebody with foam darts? Look no further than the Nerf Elite 2.0 Commander RD6 Blaster. Command respect with Nerf. Coming to you live from Shaquille O'Neal, big and tall executive suite desk chair, Tracy McGrady's 13 points in 35 seconds is a great sports moment, but we're not here to decide if it's great. We're here to decide if it's a first bout Hall of Famer. And here to do that with me is a very special guest. He's a sports writer, editor, and now a podcaster whose work has been seen on USA Today, ESPN, and the Mighty Hoops Hype, among others. He's covered the NBA for the last 18 years, starting at 14 years old. He's now chief content officer for basketballnews.com. It's Alex Kennedy. Alex, thank you for being on the show, sir. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. First of all, I love this idea. And to be able to defend this moment, I'm very excited. <laughs> it's going to be great. Alex, f- let's start right out of the gate. 14 years old. What the, f- what the fuck's going on? Alex, <laughs> do your folks, do the people in Florida know anything about the child labor laws there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like starting at a very young age writing on message boards and things like that. And then I started writing for realgm.com. And some of the other writers there got credentialed to some games. So I reached out to the Orlando Magic, basically said, hey, I'm 14. I'd love to come cover a game sometime. And they were like, you can come, but you have to bring a chaperone. So for the first like year or two, my dad would take me to games. Pretty embarrassing. But oh. I was able to you know, learn from other writers. I kind of just stayed out of the way, tried not to be an annoying kid. And then uh, by the time I was like 18, 19, 20, I was kind of experienced. Uh, I was around the same age as some of the incoming rookies. So it kind of became like an advantage. And uh, yeah, so I got got started at a very early age. Amazing. Good for you. And now you've you've paid it off. That's fantastic. Chief content officer at basketballnews.com. Tell us about basketballnews.com. Yeah, so we launched two years ago. We have a mix of great journalists as well as players on our staff. Kenyon Martin, James Posey, Rex Chapman, Atan Thomas, they all write and do podcasts for us, do a fantastic job. Basically, we try not to have, you know, a bunch of narratives and negative coverage and things like that. Uh, We try to basically provide coverage for diehard fans. So I saw when I was at Hoops Hype that there's an audience for in-depth, intelligent coverage, whether it's X's and O's breakdowns, film breakdowns, or rumor transactional breakdown so that's basically what we try to provide just intelligent coverage for diehard fans i i i'm not surprised to hear hoops hype come up there i mentioned hoops hype in the intro because i'm a hoops hype guy i'm a hoops hype fan and they these do feel in the same ballpark in terms of it's very much for fans people that love basketball people that love the sport and love the coverage of it so i appreciate what you guys are doing there and Etan thomas if i might uh take a moment He's been fantastic. I've loved the stuff that he's done, uh, both podcasting and articles at basketballnews.com. So um, appreciate what you've done there and what you've started. It's exciting. Thank you for doing it. Uh, Before we dive into our moment, I'd like to table set with you, Alex. Favorite sport, favorite team, favorite athlete of all time? Wow. So I would say my... My favorite sport now, I always tell people this, once you cover the NBA, you have to be objective. You really can't like have a favorite team. So now it's a little bit different these days. You can kind of be a fan. But when I was coming in as a young kid, everyone was like, no cheering in the press box. You can't have a favorite team. So I'm wearing a Bucks hat right now as we record this. The way that I always (laughs) kind of approached it was 
I'm going to kind of view the NBA as work and be objective and not a favorite team, but I'm going to be a huge Buccaneers and football fan because that's like my hobby. I'm never going to lose that fandom. So as of right now, I would say favorite team and favorite sport technically as a fan are the Bucks. Favorite player of all time. There's a reason why I picked this moment. Tracy McGrady might actually be up there for me because again, (laughs) before I was a 14 year old kid covering games in Orlando, I was a 12 year old kid, 11 year old kid rooting like crazy for the Orlando magic, loving Tracy McGrady. He's a huge reason why I kind of got into basketball. So I'm interested to have this debate because I'm wondering how much of this is just nostalgia for me and like loving T-Mac and putting him on a pedestal versus this moment actually being worthy of the hall of fame. So I, I'm definitely cognizant of that. (laughs) This is going to be a blast. Uh, uh, Do you have a favorite Tampa Bay Buccaneer of all time? You, You mentioned you're a big Tampa Bay fan. You told me earlier, you're down there in Florida. Who is your favorite Tampa Bay Buccaneer? Who's your favorite football player of all time? I would say Rondé Barber or Derek Brooks. Great. I've met those guys. They're super nice guys too. Like when I've, when I've actually met them. So uh, obviously Tom Brady has been amazing the last few years, like recruiting players left and right, winning us a Super Bowl. It's been so much fun watching him, but all time, I would say uh, either Rondé or Derek Brooks. Great answers. Here we go. We're going to dive into our moment to decide whether the Tracy McGrady 13 and 35 should be in the first ballot hall of fame. We must go through our first ballot Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge every moment. The first credential, the first category is analytics. People love stats, Alex. They, they can't get enough stats. I can't believe it when I was growing up. You've mentioned a couple of times now when you were coming up. When I was a kid, nobody cared about stats. Now it's all anybody thinks about. It changes careers and, 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 and incomes. Uh, it's amazing. Here are the analytics of the moments. The big one, 13 points in 35 seconds. That's a .037 points per second average. If you multiply that by 60 seconds, it's 22 points per minute. And if stretched out across the full game, his per 48 score, he would have scored 1,069 points. That's a good game, right? Decent game, yeah. The crazy thing, too, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in real quick here, Please. is if you actually start when the first basket is made, it's technically 13 points in 33 seconds. Oh. Everyone knows it as 13 points in 35 seconds, but <laughs> if you, because that's what was on the clock when they inbounded, but right. technically he scored 30, 13 points in 33 seconds. Um, <laughs> I do have another interesting stat here too, because this would be, I mean, obviously this wasn't a playoff game, but I think the fact that he did this against the San Antonio Spurs is also worth mentioning. They had the second best record in the NBA that season. This Spurs team would obviously go down as a dominant, legendary unit. Uh, It's not like he was doing this against scrubs. You know, a couple of the shots were against Tim Duncan, Bruce Bowen, Tony Parker. And then, as if that wasn't impressive enough, San Antonio had the best defense in the NBA that season. I love this. I love that you've prepared. I can see. Hold on one second. I'm jumping in on you now. I I can already see on your face and from the things that you're saying, you are taking this seriously. I appreciate it. You doing research on who is the best. I didn't do that research. Alex Kennedy did that research on his own, figuring out who was the best defense at the time. It was the Spurs. That does, to me, that does help McGrady's performance here and and whether this thing might make the first bell Hall of Fame. Fantastic. I'm sorry to cut you off. Keep going. No, I took this very seriously. I, I knew I had to come, you know, and really defend this moment because it's not one of those top moments that you immediately think about. Um, but yeah, they were number one that season in defensive rating by a wide margin. 
Uh, they allowed 99 points uh, per 100 possessions. No other team allowed 101. Uh, you know, basically there was a two-point gap between them right. and every other team. And then not only did T-Mac have those, you know, 13 points, but he he, fit, he had a great stat line, too. He filled the stat sheet. He finished that game with 33 points, eight rebounds, five threes, five steals, and two assists. So some stats to throw out there. I love what you're doing. I love that you really care about this. I love that you're trying to shove this through. We're going to get into this. This is going to be a lot of fun. The Rockets won the game 81 to 80. That means Tracy scored 16% of the Rockets points in a half a minute. (laughs) I mean, that's crazy to think about. You're absolutely right. Great stat line. I sort of forget how good of a defender Tracy McGrady was. Five steals, including getting the steal on Devin Brown sort of little mistake there at the end to get the last second shot. It was a good game from him. I would say looking at his box score, he shot 41% from the field and from three point line, but he made the last four buckets of the game, which means prior to that Tracy was eight of 25 for 32% up until that moment. I guess it doesn't matter because when you make the final four, you make the final four and you end up with a half decent game. Uh, but something to consider. The stats here are interesting. It could shove this thing one way or another. This is going to be a close race. This is going to be a goddamn horse race because I clearly take this very seriously. And now you all know Alex takes this seriously as well. It's something to go through here. The eye test is the next credential. Alex, what did you see in this moment? Did you see anything in this game footage as we rewatched to clearly prepare for this show? Did you see anything that could make the difference in this thing making the first Bell Hall of Fame? Yeah, this is why I chose this moment, because obviously you mentioned to NBA fans, 13 points in 35 seconds, and people know what you're talking about. When you actually go back and watch the film, right. the way that it, the, the shots were so difficult, he was creating his own shots, first of all, but the shots he was hitting were tough shots. I mean, yeah. there's shots that had they not happened in this you know, situation, I feel like they still would have been included in like Tracy McGrady's like all-time highlight reel because they're right. ridiculous I shots. Right. The four-point play against Tim Duncan, On the ridiculous, TV, that's right. yeah, a beautiful four-point play, the ridiculous three-pointer over Bruce Brown, which arguably should have been a four-point play as well because there was <laughs> contact there, uh, and the game-winning three over both Tony Parker and Brent Berry, which... I mean, the hang time on those shots, the hand in his face, good defenders, Tim Duncan, Bruce Bowen. I mean, we're talking about great defenders. Uh, The celebration is epic as well. The scream, the emphatic fist bump, the emotion. I love it. (laughs) I love how much you love this. I love how much you love this moment. You remember everything about it. I I really appreciate it. Uh, my eye test isn't as um, passionate as yours. The thing that I notice as I watch this is Manu Ginobili has a full wig, just a full head of hair, just that full-on Bronson Pinchot, Balky Bartokamas hairdo. It's it's startling to see Manu Ginobili with hair. I, I feel like I only think of him as the bald guy now. And to see him with that full wig, it's just a lot of fun to remember how young that guy used to be, how awesome he used to be. Again, this has nothing to do with Tracy McGrady. But when you see this guy's hair, it's electric. No, the hair is amazing. Uh, yeah, I think just watching the game, it's funny. Like you, you see Jeff Van Gundy as well during the game and just like people that you just think of now, just seeing them much younger is very interesting, but it is one more, one more point on the Bruce Bowen, Tim Duncan thing. And again, I did my research here that season, Bruce Bowen was the runner up in defensive player of the year voting. Wow. Tim Duncan was fourth. Look at that. 
two top five guys in defensive player of the year voting were the guys that he's hitting these ridiculous ridiculous shots over. I I love you're pushing so hard so early. I can't. You couldn't possibly keep this momentum up. Uh, this is gonna be. It's gonna fizzle very soon. Don't worry. I, yeah. The next credential is the ear test. What did you hear in this moment? I'd like to pitch you a couple if you don't mind. Sure. Marv Albert, the great Marv Albert, was on the call. Who was sitting next to him? Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr is one of my favorite people in the NBA. Obviously, uh, um, what, six-time champion, I think, is a player. Uh, maybe five-time. It doesn't really matter. Ends up being a fantastic GM, a fantastic color guy for TNT, and then goes in and becomes one of the better coaches uh, in the, the NBA has ever seen. Just a, a stand-up guy, Steve Kerr, on the call for this. I think that helps here. But certainly Marv Albert, the great Marv Albert. Listen to Marv on the call. McGrady over Bowen for three. Oh, yes! Yes! Tracy McGrady cuts it to a two-point lead. So that's Marv's call on the two-point lead. If you listen again, there's something worth hearing here. McGrady over Bowen for three. Oh, yes! Yes! Tracy McGrady. That's the Marv Albert double yes, Alex. Boom. We're 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 big on the Mike Breen double bangs. Everybody's cataloged that. This is a Marv Albert double yes. You can tell he's excited to hit both with the yeses. It's a big deal. He's clearly raising the temperature on this on this pot of boiling water here. And I, I look at Marv, and I, Marv is the guy that, that he's the voice of the NBA to me as a kid as I grew up. I appreciate Marv. As I hear the double yes, it's clearly the progenitor to the bang and the double bang. I think it's something I just wanted to play for you because it's something we should pay homage to. Marv Albert, great NBA announcer. I love it. No, I'm glad you mentioned that too. Uh, the fact that Marv's calling it definitely helps. And I'm glad you mentioned Kerr being involved too. And I think it's funny hearing him chuckle because this is his former team that T-Mac is doing this True. against. Uh, he had played with San Antonio from 1998 to 2001 and then played with them again in 2002-2003. So three years, two, two, three years before that, this was his his team that it's happening against. And the chuckle is great too. I don't know how the hell you're coming up with all these stats and all these years and things you remember. It's really fantastic how much you're giving here. All right, the next thing I want to play in the ear test is Marv's call on the on the game winner. Let's listen to it. Brown lost it. Here comes McGrady. No timeout committed. McGrady for the win. Yes! 1.7 to go. San Antonio with no timeout. Here's Parker on the Rockets. It's a great call. I, you know, as I as I do this show more and more, and I've said this on previous episodes, you don't realize how much the game coverage, the what the director and the production crew is giving you on the TV side, and how much the announcers add to these moments. There are moments that if you didn't see or hear something. It would immediately be less of a moment. To me, what really elevates this is Marv Albert saying, for the win. It really, mm -hmm. he, he lays it out there at the perfect time and it really hangs for a moment. And you're watching it as a kid, as a person going, is this thing going to go in? And it just, he does a really lovely job here. What are your thoughts on Marv Albert's call? He's fantastic. I think one thing that I want to stress too is we are watching this now knowing what happens. I think at the time, I mean, you see a, a game that, Seems like it's it's a blowout. There's no way Houston's going to come back uh, almost a double-digit lead, yes. and there's 30 seconds left. I mean, fans have left the arena. Quite a few fans had That's left. Right. I'm sure fans at home turn their TV off. Right. Like, 
how many times have you and I probably turned off a game that's that's the exact same situation? Totally. So the the reversal for that for that building to be dead silent and i'm sure the announcer if you look if you look at that game and watch it back i'm sure the the crew isn't as uh intense uh in you know the previous five minutes it's a total flip it's a reversal where all of a sudden the energy is back up and it's realizing oh we may be witnessing something historic it's that type of moment where when you're watching the game, you're like, ah, oh, it's cooked. You start checking your phone. Now you will. You'll start checking your phone. You'll go up. You'll go to get food, like whatever it is. But you're like, this game is decided. Like they're going to foul. They're going to try and extend the game. It's not going to work. Like I don't want to watch this. Like this is the type of game, the type of moment in a game where fans go, oh, just speed this up. Like let's get it over with. The game's over. They're going to lose, except it doesn't. It's this type of moment that makes you as a fan go as you're watching your favorite team and maybe they're down big you hold on to that little sliver of hope because of games and performances like this it would have been easy for steve and marv to just check down and the whole production crew to just check down and be like this game's wrapping up but they ramp it up in a really nice way and add a meaningful part to this moment the next credential is the voting committee alex the voting committee is made up of friends of the podcast who want to cast their vote for or against a moment the first committee member we have tonight is longtime Spurs fan, former NBA writer, and current co-host of No Breaks, part of the No Dunks family of podcasts. It's Mr. Graydon Gordian. Let's hear what he has to say. I get why 8.9 seconds is an iconic moment in the history of the NBA. Two fierce rivals, a critical playoff game, But when we're talking about 13 points in 35 seconds, we're talking about a meaningless midseason game in a forgettable season for the Houston Rockets. The only memorable moment from the 2004 season. The only other thing that might come to mind for a Rockets fan would be the first round exit they had that year in which they blew a 2-0 lead against the Dallas Mavericks. Yet another first round exit for Tracy McGrady, a curse he would not break until he joined the very same San Antonio Spurs whom he beat on that December day. If you are talking about Hall of Fames of any sort, this day, this game, 13 points in 35 seconds, it simply does not make the cut. Oh, my God. I mean, Alex, incredible. Graydon Gordian just bringing the hammer. I usually don't have the voting committee here. However, he brings up what is, in essence, my test of time, where we usually compare a moment against other moments like it in history's past. He brings up eight and nine, the eight points in nine seconds that Reggie Miller scored against the Knicks in the playoffs. Of course, the famous Spike Lee choke, hands around the throat game. (laughs) Your thoughts on what Gradient had to say specifically about the, is this moment better or worse than Reggie in the garden, Spike Lee, the choke? Yeah, I mean, so when when I was kind of doing my research for this and my prep for this, that was the one thing that I had kind of against it. It happened in early December. It's not in the playoffs. Like, if this is a playoff moment, there's really no debate here. I I think we completely agree on that. I I just think the fact that 
it was 13 points. The way he hit the shots, like, I think that's what kind of strengthens it. And it is something, if this was happening every couple of seasons and there are a bunch of other things you can point to is like, okay, well, that was cool, but we've seen it here and here and here. I just can't think of many other moments that compare to this. Like, I mean, even obviously eight points in nine seconds is, is crazy, crazy, but 13 points. I, I can't really think of many other moments where you can kind of, that where it stacks up against this. Um, now, is he a Spurs fan? D- diehard Spurs fan. No further questions. (laughs) (laughs) I do think, you know, it's interesting. I had sort of not really thought about eight and nine, the eight points in nine seconds from Reggie. I sort of really looked past it as I was doing my research, uh, particularly for test of time. But that is the moment to compare it to. Although mathematically, eight points in nine seconds, he scored 30. He scored five more points. That's two more baskets. It's. I realize it's in a bit more time. It's. This is going to be close. This is. You know, the the first belt Hall of Fame is not to be trifled with. This is a very important thing. Everybody's talking about it. Of course. Don't look that up. Everybody's talking about <laughs> it. It's. It's a lot to consider here. Graydon clearly a Spurs fan. Clearly uh, wants this moment to be to not make the hall. I respect that. A bit salty. A bit salty. I. I, I have another <laughs> longtime Spurs fan. Uh, here oh to weigh in. Next up, we have Josh Paredes. He's an associate editor for Fansided and Air Alamo. Here's what he has to say. First of all, I just want to thank you for making me relive this moment as a Spurs fan for the 18th year in a row. So <laughs> this is one of three sore spots for Spurs fans, I would say. One was Derek Fisher's point four shot, which we all knew was bullshit, of course. You can't catch, turn, and shoot in that time, but whatever, for another day. Uh, then there was Ray Allen's shot in the finals, and then this run by McGrady. I'm not sure how much you guys actually dissect the play on the show, but the only beef I have with this is Andre Barrett definitely committed a five-second violation with 16.2 seconds left, and that would have given the Spurs the ball up by five. Okay, we're going to stop it right there. This is a fantastic ad by Josh. I had not considered this until I listened to what he said, until I listened to the clip that he sent in, rather. (laughs) Let me tell you, Alex. It is very, very, very close to being a five-second call on that inbounds. If you, again, if you haven't seen the moment, go to our go to our Instagram at First Ballot Hof. Rewatch, relive the moment there. Come back, listen to the rest of the show. Dangerously close to a five-second call. Do you know the play? Yeah, yeah, it is definitely. I see what you're saying. I I hadn't caught that either, but now that you're mentioning it, I that does not surprise me. If I went back and watched it, I think I I think I. Would probably agree. If you, it's close. If you count along with it, it, you can see his arm motion on the on, on on when he gets to one. You can see his first arm motion, so you can kind of see. You, you don't stay on the ref for the entire time, but you see that first arm motion. You see that first second. You can kind of get a beat and a rhythm and do your full five. If you go on the rhythm that I think he establishes with that first arm movement, to me, to be honest, I don't think there's any question. He goes over five seconds before he inbounds that ball. On rewatching at the end, there's a there's the NBA released the full like ten last ten minutes of the game. On replays, they show the inbound again, and you can see the ref for a beat before the pass gets thrown in. What I find interesting, this is like the Sapruder film now. What I find interesting <laughs> yeah. is when that ball gets inbounded by Andre Barrett, and by the by, I haven't the foggiest idea who Andre Barrett is. I do not remember that name being in the NBA at all, but he's inbounding <laughs> the ball at a big spot to Tracy McGrady at the end of the game. Must have been somebody. 
as Andre Bear throws that ball in, just before he throws it in, you see the extension of the arm from the referee. Now that makes me think one of it, it's got to be one of two things. It as he extends his arm because he goes one, he extends his arm mm. on the one, like he's counting on the extension. So if you see the referee's arm extended right before the ball is thrown in, it is either the ref counting to four or counting to five. If it's four, no problem because he's got another second point he inbounds the ball. But if it's five. Then it's expired. The, he's he's the five the five second rule. It's expired, and the ref should have called the turnover ball back to San Antonio with a five point lead. The referee's arm is extended. Alex, what do you have to say about the referee's arm being extended? Well, this is a bit different. One thing I'll have to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but watching the the play or you know the the sequence back earlier today, there was an inbound by the Spurs too that even Marvin and, and Kerr called out as potentially being close to an inbound violation. So do you remember that? Yes. San Antonio almost had an inbound violation as, as well. So I'm not, I don't know. It kind of goes both ways. It, it feels like a pretty minor thing for me to completely discredit the whole moment. Like if we're, if we're doing that, how many moments in the hall of fame are going to be scratched off because a call could have been made or, you know, things like that. Alex, we're not debating all the other moments. We're debating this moment that you love. It's clear that you're lashing out at me as the host. <laughs> We're going to stay on message here. We're going to stay on the moment. I believe, given my own unscientific counting, based off of the rhythm the referee has established with his arm movement, there is no way on God's green earth that that last extension before the pass is thrown in, there's no way on God's green earth he is counting to four there. He has to be counting to five. It should have been a five-second call. I'm not saying that devalues the moment. I'm just saying it this is, is what it is. This is divine intervention, though. <laughs> if that ball goes back, I mean, Devin forgot how to run and and lost the ball. So I mean, I, even if even if that ball goes back to San Antonio with whatever you know was happening that day, whatever team Mackey, whatever I mean, God must have bet on Houston. Like something was going to happen and get that ball back in Team Mac's hands. I'm convinced. I love how seriously we're both taking this. It's really great. <laughs> the we've had two Spurs fans weigh in here on a voting committee. I wanted to bring in a Rockets fan. This guy is just a maniac who follows me <laughs> and wanted to wanted to weigh in here. He goes he goes by the name <laughs> he goes by the name Wet Ass Popperdell, this the pasta. Wet ass <laughs> Popperdell, take it away, wet ass. So as much as we appreciate the brilliance of that moment, we should also never forget the look on Pop's face when Spurs legend Devin Brown uh, face-planted for that turnover. <laughs> and that alone was worth the price of admission, if you ask me. Honorable mention That's to that guy have. villain Bruce Bowen. T-Mac tuned him up. Um, so if it means their names get one more humiliating day in the sun, then absolutely it's Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, justice for T-Mac, NBA 75. Now, he made two points. The Greg Popovich... Look on his yes. face. I, I know we're going to get to a different section called You Mad, yes. but that was something I was going to point out. <laughs> I would have loved to be in that post-game locker room because the look on Pop's face is amazing. The look on Devin Brown's face, too, he looks like he just saw a ghost. He's like, <laughs> what just happened? Yes. We were just winning by so much. How did this even happen? He looks so confused. I, I love the reaction afterwards. Again, great job by the broadcasters. I mean, getting those, getting those reaction shots. Uh, they did a great job. Uh, and, and a great a great little bite here from Whitass Popperdell. Uh, I 
just wanted to say that again. Uh, he, I, to me, if you're angry and petty and mean, and you can say just nasty little things like a god, like calling Bruce Bowen a goddamn villain, and laughing about a guy face planting, I, you have a place in this podcast. You are my people, <laughs> and I want to welcome all of you with open arms. If you have something nasty to say about a particular moment, feel free to send me your audio so we can use it on the show. Thank you so much. Um, yes, exactly, Greg Popovich. Let's go to you, Mad. That's the next credential. Rob, play my camera on clip here. Wait, wait. Mad, you mad, you mad. You mad. Uh, Thank you very much. Who is mad? It's it's always great when someone's mad at a moment, and you're absolutely right. There's a great replay from the baseline of Tracy McGrady's game winner. He raises up, hits the three, strokes it, and the camera then does a long zoom into Greg Popovich, who is, how shall I put it, not thrilled. That's fantastic moment. I think it adds something here. I wish Pop had maybe lost his mind in the press conference. That would have been great. You know, he, he, oh, that would have it would have helped. Pop is like great about being ornery and angry. It would have helped here if he had just, you know, laid into his team or taken the wind out of Tracy's sails, just something. But he played it cool. He played it professional in the post in the press conference. I appreciate you mentioning um, Bruce Bowen as well. A total oh shit face on. I, I love that. Uh, both both worth mentioning here in the you mad category. Clearly, it pissed off two Spurs fans. Clearly. I mean, those, yeah, the uh, the clips we just heard. Uh, I mean, is a testament. I mean, clearly they were mad. Uh, and then also Rockets fans who left the game early. Clearly oh. upset. That had to be brutal. Not being there. I mean, at that point, you just lie and say you stayed for the whole thing. And yeah, it was amazing. 100%. Like you can't tell people. Hundred percent. You lie. You lie through your teeth. You take that lie with you to your grave. If you're a Houston Rocket fan, and I mean, you know, short of whatever, what is it, ninety five? After ninety five, what have you had since nineteen ninety five to be super happy about? A lot of disappointment, injuries, Yao's feet, Harden's, uh, 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 you know, failures, his his non defense, uh, uh, Chris Paul's hammy. Uh, wet ass Popperdale sort of brought up those things in, in his quote. Uh, to me, if you were at that game and left early, you lie. You lie to everyone. You were there. You stayed through the whole you game. Have to. You have to. Great point. Uh, One more please. note on you, Mad, really quick. I saw an interview earlier today where Jeff Van Gundy and Tracy McGrady were reliving this moment. Apparently, right after this game ended, Jeff Van Gundy lit into the Rockets players in the locker room, which I thought was hilarious. Tracy was like, didn't dap me, didn't congratulate me, a historic comeback. But Jeff Van Gundy was like, we played like shit. And Tracy McGrady had to basically put a cape on and save us. And so he was like, the process wasn't there. I don't care about the result. We played like garbage. And uh, T-Mac was letting him hear a little bit for that reaction. So apparently Jeff Van Gundy is uh, in belongs in this category too, which Look is Look at that, JVG on UMAD. Uh, before we get into our next credential, Alex, I want to ask you, what is your favorite dunk? We've asked this before of a couple guests. It's something I'm going to keep asking. I like asking people this question. I'm obviously extending here to give you some time to think. What sure. is your, do you have a favorite NBA dunk and why? I mean, I think the first day pops in my head, just again, as a T-Mac fan, is the Sean Bradley dunk. Right. I think Vince Carter in the Olympics comes yes. to mind. That's well, now, you can, now listen, Alex, you can't just be mentioning dunks on dunks on dunks here. You got you to gotta sure. stay with let's go. Let's go with Vince Carter because I think it's, it's amazing jumping over a seven-footer, nearly punching – uh, you know, nearly getting someone getting punched in the face, Kevin Garnett, that whole thing is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I think 
there's a lot of great moments about that one. And that was one where it's just, you know, jaw dropping. So I'll go with VC. VC. But he has so many great in-game dunks. Great, great in-game dunks. I, I love the the KG Vince uh, afterwards, that celebration. Yeah. Because it's, it's really, you can tell that Vince knew what happened. But as you, as we all watched the game, you couldn't really tell what happened until we saw the replays. So for a second, as you watch Vince and KG celebrate, you're like, what the, why is he so, you know, pumped here? But, uh, and you're right. Almost decking KG. A lot of fun. That moment, a great (laughs) dunk. The next credential. What's yours? Oh my God. No one's ever asked me my favorite dunk. The first one that flows my mind. You know, no one's ever asked me this question. I have a lot of favorites, as you mentioned. Listen, I'm not going to go in. I've previously mentioned on a on previous pod with Dunk Comp when we discussed Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp dapping up Chris Gatling is probably my second favorite dunk. It's probably number two. Has a very special place in my heart. My favorite dunk of all time because of the stakes and because of the participants. I think it's the Kobe Lob to Shaq. The dunk in the playoffs mm, on, the, on the Blazers. I think that's my favorite dunk. I remember when it happened thinking we're winning the NBA championship. I'm, I'm about to watch the Lakers win a title because we beat those Blazers. They were the best team in the league. And when we beat them, I was like, shit, the next couple of weeks is just going to be a cakewalk. We're going to win a title. Yeah, that's a good one. The stakes were high. An egregious Lakers fan uh, always here. The next credential <laughs> is the X Factor. Do you have an X Factor, Alex? Everybody knows what an X Factor is. Do you have an X Factor here as you're considering this moment? Anything special that puts this moment over? I guess there's two things. And maybe this is something that kind of brings back the eight points in nine seconds debate. One thing when I was watching this back again, it had been a while since I had seen this. This kind of stood out to me. The Spurs really didn't choke this game away. Devin Brown obviously had the late turnover, and that was a an ugly play. But otherwise, they played great defense. They hit all of their free throws down the stretch. I saw I saw a stat that something they had hit like 15 of 16 free throws in the fourth quarter uh, or 14 of 15, something like that. So, I mean, it's not like they were – you see, the, oh, a team came back and he scored 13 points in 33 seconds to win the game. And you think, oh, that must have been just turnovers and right. inbound violations. Right. and all. But they played really well. They played Spurs basketball. They never really beat themselves. They didn't really choke this game away. Aside from that one Devin Brown turnover, uh, it didn't matter, though. T-Mac was just that dominant. And I think the other thing I want to mention here is that T-Mac's prime was so short because of his injuries, the back issues, all that kind of stuff. So I think the fact that this is like the best example. If someone doesn't, if they're a younger fan and they don't know how good Tracy McGrady was, you show them this moment. It's the pinnacle of T-Mac's career. The, the prime example of just what he could do right. as a shot creator, difficult shots. Like there was a time back when I was younger, it was Tracy McGrady or Kobe. People right. were debating yes. that. Who's the better yep. player? Who wins one-on-one? Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Like nowadays, that sounds crazy to younger fans. But you show them this video and a few other highlight mixes, people are like, oh, okay, I get it. This guy's insane. So I think the fact that this is like the moment that shows prime T-Mac that stands out to me. I love that. You're, you're, you're nailing this. You're doing a great job so far on the show. I had the same thing. No missed free throws. Devin Brown hit four. TD hit two. It's that thing, again, we mentioned it, where you're like, oh, my God, I'm out of here. I'm going to go get some food. I'm going to check my phone. That, that moment in the game where you're like, we're going to extend this. We're going to foul. We're going to make them make their free throws. And when they don't, we're going to try and, you know, get baskets off of the, you know, they missed a free throw. So we're going to try and get a basket and make up some of the, the, the lead here. It's that like long sort of arduous moment, except the Spurs made all their free throws and, 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 and Tracy and the Rockets still came back and got them. It is a fantastic part of this moment. 
that's probably why Greg Popovich isn't freaking out in the post-game press conference and looking even angrier. Right. Like, if they completely botched this, point. yes, you would have had a bigger reaction. But the fact that they didn't botch it, and I think that's probably why you don't get the big reaction. But it almost makes it more impressive because, again, it's not you know, multiple mistakes happening and him just taking advantage. He's just that good that he's taking down a legendary dynastic Spurs unit playing some of their best basketball. You mentioned Devin Brown falling. He he does fall, but it's not because it's not just some random freak. He's being pressured. There's good defense on him. Yeah. It almost looked like there's a double coming. He panics a little bit, certainly, but he trips and falls, loses the ball. Who's there to get it? Tracy McGrady, Johnny on the spot. Let me tell you, if that ball is picked up if that steal happens from anyone else the defense probably has a chance to jump on tracy and deny him the ball the fact that tracy is there uh, johnny on the spot to me is a credit to his in his favor he picks up that ball and can control the tempo and control his speed back up the court he he to me he sort of in that moment getting the steal assures himself of getting the last second shot and obviously that mattered and again, his fifth steal, he played really well defensively that game too. That's one of the things that, you know, being a T-Mac fan, like I defend him. Not only is it the scoring, but he was a really good passer, could create for others, uh, you know, good defender when he was locked in. Um, so yeah, I think the the steal is a big part of it too. Uh, and you're right, it wasn't just Devin Brown falling on his face. There was pressure there. And yeah, I mean, that's where, I, with this moment too, it just feels like so many little things had to go right. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm just like, wow, we'll never see something like this again because it does kind of feel like divine intervention where from the shots to the defense mm -hmm. to uh, just everything went right. Uh, it's it's so impressive to me. Alex, before we continue on, let's talk about your career up until this moment. You mentioned early on, you were a kid, you loved the NBA, you loved basketball, you decided to try and start writing for people on different blogs, you you reached out to the Orlando Magic to, be get, to get credentials, you've parlayed that into writing for multiple sites now, content officer at basketballnews.com. I think it's a fantastic trajectory, what you've done is very impressive. Talk to everybody, now obviously lots of people that are listening to this, diehard basketball fans. Probably some young people who, you know, are listening to podcasts, listening to this moment, learning a bit about the great T-Mac. And now they're also listening to Alex Kennedy, a guy who went from kid who just loves to the, the NBA to guy who's gainfully employed and successful in the passion of his covering this NBA, covering this thing that he loves. How did you get here? What's your advice to people that want to do it? Yeah, I mean, my biggest advice that I always pass on to people that want to work in journalism is I know there's a lot of doom and gloom around journalism. People say, oh, you can't really make a living right. doing this. But I, I do think that you have to be able to adapt and just be versatile. Like when I first started out, I thought I was just going to be a writer. Mm -hmm. I had no intention of being on camera mm -hmm. or doing podcasts. But eventually I realized the more boxes mm -hmm. you can check, the more value you can add to a company, mm -hmm. the easier it is to turn this into a career. So I did a radio show in Tampa for three or four years. I started a podcast. I started doing stuff on camera. I started shooting video of my own, editing video, uh, editing behind the scenes, kind of getting better at being on the managerial side of things, mm -hmm. um, adding sponsors. Like mm -hmm. I realized the more things I can do, the easier it is for me to do this full time. And so I never intended for that. I just kind of adjusted. And so I would tell people, if you want to do this, uh, obviously, like the first thing I would tell people, just start doing it. Again, right. I was 14 years old. Yep. I just started writing and yep. reaching out and asking about getting a credential and all that kind of stuff. I think you have to kind of shake that fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. 
ask for a credential, ask for an interview. Uh, you can't get that yes. You're going to get a lot of no's, but yep. those yeses you get are going to make it really worth it. And you're going to get better over time. You, I mean, I sucked as a writer when I was 14 years old. <laughs> I hate reading my stuff from when I was a kid, but I was able to you know, get better over time and get those reps. So when I started, Twitter wasn't a thing. Fortunately, right. I was in uh, a high school journalism program at the Pointer Institute, and they were like, everyone take out your phone right now, download Twitter, this is the future. So I was like one Amazing. of the first people on NBA Twitter. <laughs> I was Whenever I was on Twitter, it was like Shaq, CJ Watson. It would say like, are you a basketball <laughs> fan? And it would recommend Shaq, CJ Watson, Alex Kennedy. Like legit, Amazing. it was like that early on, which was a huge benefit for me. Yeah. So like I've always just tried to be able to adapt kind of change with journalism and then be as versatile as possible that would be my advice but i would say i mean it's if you love basketball there's no better career like you and i are sitting here for an hour talking about a shot that i geek out about and and love from when i'm a kid like it's the coolest job in the world if you're passionate about sports i you know i if i might for a moment it's a job to you. Like you're covering this, you're in the heat of this. You've got deadlines tomorrow. You've got, you know, a podcast of your own to do. Oh, by the way, the Alex Kennedy podcast, everybody should download it and listen to it. I didn't mention it during the intro because I didn't want to say your name before I said your name. Alex sure. Kennedy podcast <laughs> is the podcast he's doing. Um, to me, it's a, it, to you, it's a job. But as I think about it, I go, my God, if you had told 10 year old Neil, you're going to grow up to cover the NBA and get credentialed by Orlando. I would have lost my mind. I would have lost my mind thinking about the idea of working for basketballnews.com. That's amazing. Kids all over across the country would die to do what you do. And you're doing it. And you started it young. You, it was perseverance and hard work. You're, you're where you want to be. I just think it's really impressive and people should recognize that. And, and you mentioned fear. I, I think that's something else worth noting. You said, oh, my God, I was a bad writer. When you're young, when you're working through something, you do a ton of shit that's bad. This podcast stinks, but <laughs> but the next podcast I do true. is gonna, <laughs> the next podcast I do is going to be great. And that's worth noting is when you can sort of look at something, a failure of yours, something that didn't go as well as you wanted to. If you can start envisioning that as let me get that shit out of the way so I can go do the best stuff. That's when I feel like you can take off. And I feel like you've done that, Alex. I just think it's a, 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 a tip of the hat to you on, on the career that you've built. It's fantastic. Thanks, man. Congratulations. I really appreciate that. I compare it to like stand-up comedy almost. Like yes. you're going to have to grind. And, right. and in my case, and a lot of people case that I know in journalism, this is unfortunately the case, but you have to work for free or very little right. for several right. years and, and kind of put the work in and get better and kind of get those reps. But it's really the only way to not – working for free but putting in the time and, and kind of putting out shitty work at first is the only right. way to get to the point where you're confident and, and doing good work so it's yeah reps, it's worked baby. out yeah, I, yeah it's a testament to you congratulations Thanks, the next man. credential the next credential we're going to discuss the next category is the mvp what's the most valuable part of this moment alex is there a part of this moment that's more valuable than something is it the four pointer on td is it the game mm. winner is it the fist pump is it pot being pissed? What is it? What's the MVP of this moment? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of options we could choose. I would say it's the the anytime there's a close up on T Mac, like when right. he hits the four pointer, they zoom in on him and you can see like, oh, this dude's in the zone. Yes. And T Mac's talked about it and, and he said like, you know, he had had a few of those moments throughout his career where he felt like he was on the verge of that or mm -hmm. he had hit like one or two shots, but he said, it was unlike any other moment uh, for him, and he, and he felt like he just could not miss.
confident. He knew he was taking over that game. And you could see it in his eyes. It's almost like when you look back at that LeBron versus Celtics meme where like he looks like he's just about yes. to completely <laughs> fuck them up. That's basically like the T Mac face that you see when they the, after the four point play. Like he's like, Oh, we're going to win this game. And then Again, the close-up, uh, the emotion with the the fist pump and, uh, you know, the scream. Like, you, he just – you can tell that he's, you know, in a in a crazy zone and, and just locked in. And I think those moments are really cool because, uh, again, shout-out to the broadcast, being able to see the emotion and kind of seeing what's going on up in his head. Uh, it's something that I – the it's something that I think is a sort of an underrated part of this. That celebration from T-Mac – I always think of it as like a not, it's not like a full extension fist pump. He like shorted it. And the reason he shorted it is because there was time left on the clock. Yeah. Yeah. He, had to get back he and turns play around. Defense. like, Oh, I need to defend. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. But, but then on the, the, the flip side of it, when Tracy lets that ball go, I mean, you're right. We, we know that it goes in now, but that shot is so pure he, that he just laces that last shot. I mean, it's just all net. Doesn't touch a goddamn thing. It's just a beautiful shot. It's and he's uh, in the air forever. forever. He was in the air for a while, waiting forever. for both guys to to move out of the way. Like he was in the air for a long time on that. And then once the Spurs missed the next shot, the entire team coming and grabbing him, picking him up. Like it's similar to I'm. You mentioned the uh, like the Dame wave. I'm sure you guys are going to talk about that moment, or you already yeah, have. We did. Yeah. Uh, there's other moments where like the that adds to the celebration too, where the entire team picks him up. Yes. And I mean, he literally just put a team on his back and then they're doing the same thing to him. Yeah, it's pretty it's cool. Really cool. It's super cool. Alex, we've reached that point. It's on you here, sir. The question to you is, should Tracy McGrady's 13 points in 35 or 33 seconds make the first belt hall of fame and why the floor is yours? What if after all that, I just said no <laughs> with how passionate I've been about it? No, I, he absolutely, it absolutely should make the Hall of Fame. Again, I think when you look at, it's not even just, oh, he scored 13 points in 35 or 33 seconds. <laughs> it's the way that he did it. The shots were insane. Again, against amazing defenders, two of the top four defensive player of the year candidates for that season. I mean, scoring a four-point player with Tim Duncan, a crazy three over Bruce Bowen, the game-winning three over Tony Parker and Brent Berry, all shots where there's contact, he's staying in air waiting, you know, for a while. Uh, the celebration's epic. We, t- we heard the call, and the fact that Marv is, you know, Marv on the call, and then Steve Kerr's chuckling because it's against his former team, and he can't believe what he just saw. Uh, all the people at pissed off, Spurs fans, Spurs players, Rockets fans who left the game early, Popovich, who we get the amazing close-up with. Um, again, I, I think just... The it's one of those moments that when you're watching it live and you don't know the results, it's even crazier. Now, looking back, you you go back and you know exactly how many points he's going to score and what the outcome is. But I just think it's a very special moment. And again, as a Tracy McGrady fan, it's arguably the coolest moment of his career. So I'm always going to be biased and say that it is a Hall of Fame moment. I mean, Alex, you are doing work today. This is, <laughs> this is big time. You have done yeoman's work to get this moment to this point in the show it's time for the induction speech this is when i neil get to decide whether tracy's 13 and 33 makes the first bell hall of fame there's been a lot to consider we've gone through a lot alex has done a fantastic job of giving this thing a great chance the defense from the Spurs. We're not talking about a bunch of hacks here. We're talking about some of the best defenders of all time. 
Listen to Kobe talk about Bruce Bowen. Obviously, everybody knows Tim Duncan's resume. These are phenomenal defenders. This is a legendary scorer, scoring in legendary ways, 13 points in 33 seconds to win a game that they definitely should have lost. A great call by Marv. But should this make the first ballot Hall of Fame? I want to present two things to you, sir. Sure. Yao Ming, Jeff Padgett. Is that his name, Jeff Padgett? I don't even know the guys. I don't even remember the guy's name. He played for the two guys who played for the Spurs. They got two baskets before Tracy McGrady took off and scored the 13. They scored the two baskets before Tracy went nuts. The Spurs were up 10 with a minute left. Yao scores on a dunk. Padgett gets a steal, steal, scores on a dunk. And then Tracy goes nuts. I can't in good faith credit Tracy with the full comeback on his own because of Yao Ming and Jeff Padgett. Interesting. It hurts my soul to say this. It's a great moment. My hat is off to Tracy. I love watching it. I've enjoyed talking to Alex Kennedy about it. I love debating it and diving into the minutia of this moment. But the first ballot Hall of Fame is serious. This moment isn't funny enough. It's not cool enough. Tracy McGrady, a fantastic career, a fantastic moment. My hat's off to you. But this is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Woo! Scott Paget is my new arch nemesis. <laughs> Scott Paget. It's official. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you no. did a fantastic job of getting this here, but I just, I just, it, we have to, we can't let everything in. That's my issue with the real Hall of Fames. They let everybody in. You can't let everybody in. You got to hold the bars somewhere. And I think holding it here, this is the biggest, most notable omission from the first ballot Hall of Fame. I expect some hate mail, if if not if from no one else, but what asked Pepperdell, he's going to be red hot pissed and Alex. But I got, we got to keep, we got, we got to have a, a, a bouncer at the door that's saying, I'm so sorry. It's a fantastic moment. There's no doubt it's a fantastic moment. I appreciate it. It's been a blast to talk about, but it's not getting in the first Bell Hall of Fame. What are your thoughts on that? Are you mad at me? Well, you know, your show just lost all credibility. So that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Uh, I'm curious. I want to ask you this. Yes. What would a what would T Mac have had to do, or what would the moment have to be in question. order to make it in the Hall? Of oh, I love this. It's a great question. I'll, I'll say it. It lacks pop at the end. Here's the thing. This is I really appreciate asking this question. This is a blast because this is a, this is one of the few times I've said no because the early half of this I want to get into this. The early half of this show as we've been recording, it's a lot of guests pulling obviously great moments, and it's like of course. You know, the, the Patriots come back on the Super Bowl is going to win. Of course it's going to make it. I mean, it's a, it's a legendary moment. This is the first moment where I so appreciate you, Alex, going, I love this moment. I love Tracy. This is the peak of his career. This is like an awesome moment from him. I love debating this. But as I look at it, there's not enough stakes, which is fine. You can substitute no stakes. But then you need something that makes it memorable other than the raw numbers. To me, the biggest thing in, in its favor is the raw numbers, 13 and 33. It's super impressive. But as he hits that game winner, great call from Marv. He hits that shot. It's that kind of half 
fist pump. There's nothing like, there's not enough trash talk. Nobody's mad enough. They just You need it, like a fight yes. or like a memorable pop blow up yes. that we're quoting years later. It okay. lacks just a bit of attitude. And I think that's the word as I describe the first ballot Hall of Fame to people. It's moments with attitude. It's moments that matter. It's clearly a great basketball moment, but it lacks just a little bit of pop at the end that to me goes, 100%, you get a plaque, you're going on the wall, and you're staying there forever. So T-Mac should have been, like, barking at Duncan or something, yes. you know, about him not coming to Orlando yes. or, you know, yes. yelling in someone's face, you know, <laughs> flicking off the fans who left early, you know, like, yeah, we, some more attitude. I, 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 see, I, I get look, what you're saying. Some, like, snarky little comment after the press conference about TD not coming to Orlando, I had to give him one to remember me by. Just something something <laughs> else that lets me hold on to it and go, oh, that's super cool. And I don't mean to say Tracy McGrady isn't cool. Tracy McGrady is very cool. But this moment, it's almost like it's a little too much raw emotion. He's so happy he makes the shot that there's he doesn't have the wherewithal to go, let me put on a little bit of a show here. And to me, that's the final level. Great performance, great basketball, great skill. That's one thing. That last level, that last step is putting on the show. And I feel like this moment lacks it in just ever so slightly in a way that keeps it out of the first Bell Hall of Fame. And that's where I wonder if the if there wasn't still a, a second left where he had to go back to playing defense. Yes. Like, does that celebration you, expand I, a little bit? A great point. A great point, Alex. If he makes that and it's on the buzzer and he jumps up on the scorer's table yeah. and like untucks his just something else to give me that little. But he had to rush back on defense. Trey, uh, uh, Parker got off not a half decent shot, a half bad shot yeah. there at the end. I think that's a great moment. If there's a second left, if pardon, if there's a second less in the game, maybe we're talking about this completely differently because maybe he hits it at the horn. He completely loses his mind, tears off his jersey, throws it into the stands. Who knows what happens? Maybe Yao Punks does the ball it. again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we know. I, I think uh, we saw him go into celebration mode, and then there was the "oh shit, let me get back right. on defense" moment. If that wasn't there, you know, who knows where the celebration goes from there? So oh, I see what you're saying. Full full disclosure, my th- my first moment that came to mind whenever you know we started talking about doing this podcast was Ray Allen's three. Yes. That was like I was there in person covering that final, Amazing. so that was a really cool yeah. moment. I have some cool stories like around that finals, and I was like, oh, that'd be fun. But it did seem too obvious. Like I feel like that has to be with the stakes and everything. I mean, have you guys already done that episode no, or? No. Okay, I'm assuming that will be in the Hall of Fame, just given the stakes and everything. I'll I won't spoil anything. I won't ask you, you know, put you on the spot. But that's where I'm like, okay, well, what's something we can actually go back and forth on? I so it. I kind of knew going into this that it wasn't an obvious, you know, shoe in. But I think that made the episode a little bit more fun. A hundred percent. I really appreciate you picking it. It's um, I think people will be hanging on with bated breath to find out what we do. And listen, it's tough. I'm gonna end up saying that um, Graydon Gordy and um, you know, he's, he, he swung a big giant heavy bat there, uh, when he got to the plate and, uh, did some damage, did some damage, bringing up Reggie, bringing that to my mind. It's tough. You know, I think Reggie is a good example here. Now we're, we're, this is the longest we spent after voting on an episode, but Reggie turning to Spike Lee, a world-class director, a world-class NBA player and Spike grabbing his throat. That is a yeah. lasting image that you can see all across Indiana, all across New York City, as a matter of fact. It's just the thing that adds to that moment and makes you go, 
oh shit, Reggie in the eight and nine with the choke sign and Spike Lee and telling him to sit down. Like there's just a bit more attitude there. To me, this moment, this episode will has probably done the most in defining what the first belt Hall of Fame is. And so I appreciate you selecting it. But again, I have to tell you, Alex, get the fuck out of here. Tracy McGrady is not not gonna be in the first spell. <laughs> <laughs> I had to try, you know. I had to try to sneak him in, you know. I, uh, yeah, no, I I see what you're saying. It, it makes sense. Again, the choke was like the epic attitude type moment that you're you're talking about. Um, maybe we can do this again. I can try to think of another another moment I'd we can debate that. on. I'd love to do that, Alex. You were fantastic on the show. You gave it a real shot, which I think is super impressive because it's coming in. I'm like. I don't know. I don't see it, but I loved how prepared you were. Thank you so much for doing the show. What can you plug? How can people follow you? Tell them. Yeah. Check out basketballnews.com. We have a bunch of articles and videos and podcasts going up every day. You can hear my podcast, the Alex Kennedy podcast. Um, and again, check out uh, Rex Chapman show, uh, the rematch with a Tom Thomas, the Posecast with James Posey, all those guys do a fantastic job. And uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter, YouTube, all that, basketballnews.com. Is Posey going to keep doing stuff? He just got uh, signed up to be assistant coach, right? So I believe we're still talking about it. He's still going to do articles, I think. The podcast might be yeah, paused yeah. just because I'm not sure he'll have Tell time me, to yeah. do the podcast. But he has a huge ba- – I mean, he's had some crazy guests on there. He's had you know Ray Allen, Clyde Drexler. He's gotten a bunch of big names, and they've had some really cool conversations. So it's a nice backlog of episodes, uh, and they're all evergreen. And then, yeah, he'll continue writing throughout the season. So we're excited about Amazing. that. Amazing. Thank you so much, Alex, for doing the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Anytime. That's it. That's the show. First Ballot is produced by Jessica Sang. It's edited by Robert Arucci III. All music is made by my main man, Rhythm J. Follow him on social, at Rhythm J. My special thanks to Alex Kennedy. I think he helped define what the First Ballot Hall of Fame is, and I appreciate that. A shout-out to Nikki Palafox and Matthew Hollister. Thank you both for listening to the show. Man, I hope that knee feels better soon. If you enjoy the show, please let me know on Twitter so we can shout you out in the credits. Thanks again for listening, and come back next week for more First Ballot. Yes! Yeah.